You're listening to episode 28 of the Teacher Innovator Podcast. And in this episode, we're discussing what can we let go of so we can innovate our schools. Hi, I'm Jamie Hand, Innovation Learning Coach. And I'm a part of a group of innovative educators who are looking to transform the way our students learn and in the process, rediscover our joy of teaching. This is the start of a new conversation about meaningful innovation that authentically transforms the way we teach. Innovation is not something we do, but rather is a way of being. We are teacher innovators, and there has never been a more exciting time to be an educator. I'm glad you're here. about Gandhi, and I'm going to paraphrase the story for you, but he was getting on a train, and as he was getting on the train, he lost one of his shoes. And in just a flash, in the moment, he quickly took off the other shoe and threw it out, because the train was already pulling away and already moving. So he threw out the second shoe, and a fellow passenger wondered out loud and said, why did you give, why did you throw out your other shoe? And Gandhi explained that if a person was going to find one shoe, that then they would find the other shoe and then they would have a brand new pair of shoes because two shoes is better than one. And plus, what was he going to do with just one shoe? This story illustrates a great point in holding onto things or letting things go. So in this case, Gandhi let go of the one shoe so that someone else could have the opportunity to find two matching shoes. Now, let me bring this back to education and being teacher innovators. As a teacher innovator, we know we are looking for new ways, new methods, new ideas so that we can create better learning experiences for our students. And just like the story with Gandhi, what can we let go of? to create better learning experiences. If you listen to our previous episode, and I will put a link in the show notes if you miss this one, but we talked about how our educational system is broken and how our school system is actually designed for an industrial age. Our schools are set up and are quite successful in creating factory type workers. But here's the thing, we don't live in an industrial age anymore. We are in an innovative age. So just like Gandhi letting go of the shoe, what can we let go of to help create these better learning experiences? Now, I find it very interesting that back in last spring of 2020, when all the schools shut down here in the United States, that the first thing that was let go of was all the standardized testing. All the spring testing that normally is the whole month of April for students, that all that testing went out the window. Quickly gone, vanished. And you know what? Our students survived. Teachers survived. Do we really need those standardized tests? 
what is the purpose of having the standardized test in an innovative age? Now, to dive deep into this, I did some research and the person who invented the multiple choice test, his name was Frederick Kelly. He is considered the father of the multiple choice test. So all the little bubble tests, he created it. And his version was called the Kansas Silent Reading Test. And I'll put a link to it because it is on public domain that you can actually access and read the actual test. And it is mind boggling how similar it is to anyone that has had to administer or proctor one of our standardized tests here in the United States. I mean, the directions are very, very similar. And this was created back in 1914. So I will put a link to that. Be sure to check it out because I couldn't believe how similar it was. Now, here is the big difference is his test was five minutes, five minutes long. That was it. It wasn't the whole 60 minute or 90 minutes or two weeks of testing that we are doing currently to our students. Now, what is also interesting is that he later came to regret creating the multiple choice test. Now, we're going to come back to that point, but just keep in mind, he created the test and then later regretted creating the test. Now today, the educational testing is a huge business. It is between a 20 and 30 billion, that's with a B, billion dollar industry. So that is a lot of money being generated in education, in the test, in the um, implementation of the test, in the grading of the test, the scoring of the test, but then also all the resources that go with the test, the study guides, the online prep courses, the textbooks, all of that is incorporated into this educational testing industry. Now, currently, there are four top companies that are part of this, and they are, and some of these may sound familiar, Pearson, CBT McGraw-Hill, Houghton Mifflin, and Harcourt are the top four in this industry. Now, there are other companies as well, but these are kind of the, the big ones of the industry. So why am I sharing this with you? Because if those names sound a little familiar, that maybe you have textbooks or curriculum that is also published by these companies. So these companies not only administer the test, but they also provide the curriculum that goes with it. So the districts are paying for textbooks and paying for curriculum, plus then paying for the test and everything that goes along with that. So why do we have all these standardized testings? Well, if we go back in the history of our educational system, now for this, I am talking specifically about the United States. So I can't talk to other countries and their history, but in the United States, 
Back in 1965, Lyndon B. Johnson, he signed into law the Elementary and Secondary Education Act. The idea behind it was so that all children could have access to quality education, which as teacher innovators, we deeply feel. We want all our students to be successful, to learn, and to be lifelong learners. Like, we feel that. We want that for all of our students. Now, the thing is, this act also, this act also introduced the idea that states needed to be accountable. And so it brought in this type of standardized testing into the states. So if a state wanted to receive federal money, they needed to show how they were assessing and gathering data and all of that. I'm not going to go into all the technical data behind the act. You can read up on it if you wish. But what is interesting, this piece of legislation has been revised since 1965. And some of these names may sound familiar, such as in 2001, the No Child Left Behind Act. And most recently, in 2015, Obama's Every Student Succeeds Act. So in a simplified version, the federal government gives money to the states for schools that meet all their requirements. So for example, in Obama's Race to the Top initiative, that was $500 million available to states for schools that did qualify and did meet those requirements. So we're talking a big chunk of money that is given out. In 2015, that the average student, once they left high school, had taken 112 standardized tests. That is a lot of testing going on. So let's take another look at the educational testing companies. Now, these are companies, private companies, that are in the business to make money. So yes, they may wanna help our students, but let's be real, they are businesses. They want to make money. So corporations, these educational corporations, they sell the tests, sell all the study guides that go with it, all the resources that go along with that, online resources, digital resources, in-person resources. They create the curriculums, they create the textbooks, that then districts have to buy. And then anytime a state changes their standards, that provides a new opportunity for the companies to say, oh, well now you need all new materials, so here you go. And the other thing on these standardized tests is that money is made on the students failing or not doing well on the test. Because if you don't do well on the test, then you need more study guides or you need more prep work, more prep courses to help you then retake it and do better. There is a trend of colleges that are not looking at ACT or SAT standardized scores, that they are changing the application process. However, that has not trickled down throughout all of the tests that are being mandated from pre-K to high school. In fact, it is, t- it is on average that a student will take eight different types of standardized tests in a year. 
So the educational testing companies, they are a business. They are in this to make money. And they lobby with politicians so that these different initiatives and mandates keep them in business. So every time a state changes their standards or chooses a different uh, curriculum or whatever it may be, that gives the testing company more opportunity in new sales. It gives them new growth every time the educational policy changes. So while we think these initiatives are coming from the government, they're actually correlated to the lobbyists from these big educational testing companies. So who is creating all of this high pressure standardized testing? We think it's coming from the government. As a teacher in my classroom, my administrator tells me I need to do this. The administrator, well, their superintendent needs to tell them they need to do this. Superintendent is told from the state level that they need to do this. The state level is told from the federal level that they need to do this. And the lobbyists for the educational companies are helping push this through. So that begs the question, do we need to be doing these standardized testing? Is there a better and more innovative way to assess what our students are learning? Just like Gandhi with the shoe, what can we let go of? Can we maybe let go of some of these standardized tests that are just essentially making money for educational testing companies? Are they serving the purpose in helping create better learning experiences for our students? Are they helping our students along their learning journey? As a teacher, I know a lot of times we feel like our hands are tied. Like, what can I do? I'm in my classroom. I have to give this test. I have to proctor this test. Well, I think just asking questions. And as a teacher innovator, you are building the connections with the parents of your students. To really implement change in our educational system, we need to come together with the parents. Now, I know that many of you are a parent yourself. So as a parent, what can you do? Can we share with other parents? Can we trickle out and just start asking questions? Why? Why are we taking this test? Where do these standards come from? Just start asking why. And encouraging other parents to ask why. That's where the change starts. It just starts by becoming aware of this and saying, hmm, why do we do that? I want to bring it back to Frederick Kelly. Remember, he's the father of the multiple choice test. And he later went on and became the president of the University of Idaho. And it was at this time where he realized that education needed more of a reform. And he actually was an advocate for more problem-based learning. And he started to speak out against the own, his own test, the one that he created. He started to speak against it. Well, the college didn't necessarily like this. And two years later, he was asked to step down as president. But he's the one that invented the test and then later went on to say 
hey, this isn't working. We need to do something different. And this was back in the early 1900s. Here we are in 2020, where school already looks completely different. So what can we let go of so that we can bring in new change? All right, I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Let me know what you think. You can find me over on Instagram at Jamie Hand Innovator. And if you found this episode of value, please leave a five-star review as that helps me reach more teacher innovators like you. All right, until next time, happy innovating. Thank you.